This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Just before the holidays, I ran into a brewing festival and competition that I wanted to share with you all. I saw this really great competition that was focused on female brewers and showing off their skills. I then reached out to Jen McPolin, the organizer of the She Brew Festival and competition, and she agreed to join me and talk about her brewing history, the great club that she's a member of, and of course, the great festival and competition today on Homebrewing DIY. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Human Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on the show, like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the crucin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. 
drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruising. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this podcast covers it all. Today, we're talking to Jen McPoland of the SheBrew Homebrewing Beer Competition. I'm really excited to discuss with her all of the cool things that they're doing for this competition, a bit about the club that she's in, and really just homebrewing in general. Last, I'd like to just take a quick moment to really thank some of our new patrons we have john and cody some of our newest patrons just this week uh at the at the base level and we also have the communicate influence podcast at communicateinfluence.com she also gave to us on patreon and you should really check out her show it's it's some good stuff especially if you want to learn a little bit more about kind of getting yourself out there last clay decided to give to us at the supporter level. And I have to say that that's uh, really something uh, special. Clay, thank you so, so much. You're going to get a really great gift from us. And uh, I really look forward to, uh, you know, uh, meeting you sometime soon. The other way that you could support the podcast is to give us a review. You can head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. There's Different links there that you can do Stitcher, you could do Podchaser.com and Apple Podcasts, and it gives you a really great way to get to those review pages and write us a review. In doing so, you actually help other people find us. And then the last way that you can help support the show is head over to homebrewingdiy.beer. If you head over there, you'll actually find some links to Brewfather and Adventures in Homebrewing. And if you use those links, it actually lets them know that we sent you and then they support the show as well. Last, I'd like to dive into a bit of some social media news. Uh, If any of you follow us on Instagram, we actually did a really cool Instagram competition about a week ago, depending on when this podcast episode actually gets released. But we actually gave away an Inkbird Instant Read Thermometer as part of our Instagram feed. And I'd like to thank Matt Blevin for actually being the winner of that thermometer. Matt, great, great drawing. And it was really great to talk to you online and, and kind of get to know you a bit and uh, enjoy the new thermometer. I, I'm look, really looking forward to the photos of your brew day with that cool new uh, gadget. Also, if you would like to look at for some of those giveaways that we're doing or just really interact with us on social media, head over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just look for the handle at homebrewingdiy. We're on all the socials. All right, so now let's just dive into our episode today. Today we're going to be talking talking to Jen McPoland, and we're going to be talking about the SheBrew competition. Hi, I'd like to welcome Jen McPoland to the show. Uh, she's started and is the organizer of the SheBrew Festival and the SheBrew Homebrewing Competition. And uh, I'd like to welcome her to the show. So, hi, Jen. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? 
Excellent. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe the, the best place to start would be, you know, we'll, we'll get into the festival here in a minute, but uh, mm-hmm. let's just get a quick background of uh, how you got into homebrewing. Um, it's funny. I, um, I've been a beer drinker for a long, long time. And a friend of mine, uh, was in the Oregon Brew Crew, which is the, the homebrewing, uh, club that I've been a part of for a long time. And one day she was like, Hey, my club's having a beer appreciation class. Do you want to take it with me? And I was like, yeah, I would totally want to be into that. And it ended up being a BJCP class, <laughs> uh, which obviously is a beer judge certification course, which is not a beer appreciation class. And um, each week they would talk about a different beer style and then they would talk about a different um, brewing technique. And after about the third week, I was like, lady, you got to teach me how to brew because I don't know what they're talking about. And <laughs> uh, that was 2005. Um, so I've been home brewing ever since. Awesome. And, and uh, that, you know, I, I have to admit, a BJCP class is definitely jumping past the appreciation level for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what? what you're you're a member of the oldest homebrewing club in Oregon, and uh, could you tell me a bit about that club's history? Absolutely, yeah. We um, we are celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. Actually, there's there's a little bit of controversy. Some people say it's actually the the 39th, and some people say it's the 40th because nobody's around from the very beginning anymore. Um, but we're we're just going with 40. Um, we have been in Portland the whole time and, uh, Steinbart's FH Steinbart's is one of our local homebrew supply shops and it actually just, uh, celebrated its hundredth year anniversary. So it's been selling homebrew supplies for a hundred years. And, um, the owner of that, John Benedetti, was one of the founding members of the Oregon Brew Crew. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger over the years. Uh, we have about 300 members right now, I believe. Um, a lot of really active members. We run some big competitions. Um, we do some scholarships, uh, lots of um, festival uh, organization and also support. It's, there's just a whole ton of stuff. The, the purpose of the club really is around um, a homebrewing education though and beer education. That's that that's awesome. Three hundred members is a really large club, especially on a local level. Uh, what does a typical typical meeting look like if I were you know off the street, came to your club and and came in? What, what would I expect to see? Well, it depends on if it's an in meeting or an out meeting. So typically, um, every other month we have an in meeting or an out meeting. An out meeting is usually at a um, a newer brewery, so we'll go and support, and we'll bring the whole club, and if they're big enough to hold us. Um, and we'll have the meeting there. But all of our in-meetings, um, they basically start with, um, we have a, a small potluck that we do every time, and then uh, members bring their homebrew, um, some of them just in bottles to get feedback, and we actually have feedback forms that people can try them and give them feedback on, or they'll bring whole kegs to be able to share, um, either just share with the group in general, but then also um, get feedback on. And then we'll talk about um, whatever business we have, whether it's um, a competition coming up or a festival coming up. And then after that, uh, we have an education portion. And that could be anything from um, Ben at Breakside coming to talk about hops or, yeah, about hop utilization or somebody from Imperial Yeast coming to talk about um, hop or yeast propagation. Uh, it's always, there's always an education topic, though. Yeah, that, that, that you know, we'll, I did a show a few episodes ago talking about homebrew clubs and really mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, and I'm a member of a homebrew club as well, that uh, the education that you get from that community can't, can't really be 
replicate it online. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing experience to you know hey try beers with your friends, but then also learn with your friends as well. Yeah, and some of our biggest um, professional brewers actually started out in the Oregon Brew Crew: uh, the Widmer Brothers, Alan Sprints of Hair of the Dog, Jamie Floyd from Ninkasi, um, Shane Watterson from Level. Just a lot of um, local brewers, and there's yeah. so many of them are still members. That and that's awesome, you know. It, and it, it's cool to see people, even after they go pro, still staying active in the homebrew scene. Uh, I know that uh, you, you always talk to professional brewers, and once it becomes their job, they they tend to not homebrew anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, let's let's talk a bit about the Shebrew Festival and the competition. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with the festival and how how that kind of came about and and kind of how that became a thing. Absolutely. Um, so it was about six years ago. I was on the board that year and our edu- or our competition chair, Jamie, her wife worked for the human rights campaign and was looking for a new um, fundraising idea. And she's actually the one that came up with um, SheBrew. So basically what we had done is we had solicited local brewers to donate beer and we had uh, we sold tickets to it so it was um, a handful of local brewers that donated and then it was 10 female home brewers so you bought a ticket you went in you got to try some of the the pro brewers but the idea was to try each one of the um the home brews and actually vote on people's choice and it was meant as just a small fundraiser for the human rights campaign and then it just has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> As the years have progressed. In fact, this year we actually had to move our venue again uh, because we had outgrown the last one. Um, I believe we had we're expecting fifteen hundred people this year. Wow, that's a really great uh, size for a festival, um, specifically uh, a very specific kind of festival, right? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What would you say is the the main focus of the festival when it comes to uh, obviously human rights campaign is a great mm-hmm. organization, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and really. what is the the kind of message that it's trying to say? Well, it's celebrating diversity and celebrating women in brewing. Um, The other really great thing is because I'm also in charge of curating all the beer um, for the whole fest is each year we've had more and more actually um, female brew professional beers. The first year, I think we only had one. The second year, I think we had two. Um, Last year we had 22. This year I have 31 on deck. And they're all uh, local female professional brewers. Uh, that's just an amazing thing to see. And such growth so quickly is is also really awesome to see, right? Yeah. And we've continued to have 10 home brewers um, at the fest. So we do the homebrew invitational every year at the festival as well, which is pretty awesome. Uh, that's awesome. And, and so it, what is that? You take 10 uh, female home brewers that uh, mm-hmm. brew a beer just for the festival. Uh, nothing to do with the competition, correct? Well, it can be what they've entered in the competition as well, just as long as they bring um, a five-gallon corny of that of one of their beers to the fest. We actually have a special thing this year, though. Um, Melissa, who runs Queen of Beers, which is the only other all-female homebrew competition, um, her and I have been cross-promoting our two comps for the last year or so. And the winner of Best of Show, that was just last month, Catherine Gooding, is actually, we have invited her to bring down her Best of Show beer and brew it uh, and have it on for the festival. That's, that's awesome. And, and the yeah. Queen of Beers Festival, uh, where is that held and located? That's and out of Sacramento. Of year? Okay. Yeah, it's and, Sacramento and it's in December. Okay. So yeah. very similar in time because you guys are in February, right? 
Yeah, it's in February because the the festival is always held in March, which is Women's History Month, and the competition is always held um, the Saturday before. Okay, and, mm-hmm. and then so that if you have the competition winner, for example, the best in show beer, and they wanted to bring that corny uh, keg of that, they would be able to do so. Or uh, what's the reason? Well, it's the first time we've done it, um, and the nice thing is Catherine's really close. She's actually in Washington because it is a national competition. We typically get entries from um, Shebrew typically gets entries from more than 20 states. Um, And it just happened to work out really well that Catherine was close enough by for us to be able to invite her to actually bring her beer down. And she was really excited to do so. Had it been somebody in Utah, that might have been a little bit more challenging. Uh, you know, you say that, but I'm actually from Utah, so. <laughs> well, Sheeper's Best to Show winner the first year was from Utah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, who yeah. was it? Uh, Amanda Weinelman. She won with Alambique. That That's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually, uh, um, uh, funny you say that. I, I do live in Colorado now, uh, but mm-hmm. I uh, was born and raised and uh, actually started homebrewing be- in Utah. And really because of Utah's laws, right? I couldn't buy <laughs> yeah. kegged beer, so I started making my own kegged beer because that's what I wanted. So yeah. uh, kind of the story there. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, how many years have you been doing the competition and the in the festival? This will be the sixth year for the festival, um, and this will be the fourth year for the competition. Awesome. And, uh, you know, what kinds of uh, uh, beers would you say are some memorable beers that you can think of from either past festivals or past competitions that some some people have made that have kind of been like, wow, this is an amazing experience? There's There's been so many amazing beers. I mean, um, last year, uh, one of our, I think she took second place for Best of Show was just an amazing Schwartz beer. Um Twice we've had Best to Show end up being um, a cider, which was really interesting. Um, so we've actually decided that we're going to have two Best to Shows. We'll have one for ciders and berries and one for beers this time. Uh, and both of those were incredible. Um, and some of the professional brewers have just done amazing work. Um, we had a, uh, a green glitter beer, which was a, um, a Belgian from one of our brewers that it was all 100% gluten-free and it was really tasty and really crazy looking. Uh, and then everything like we, there was a, a lime pastry beer last year and then just some phenomenal, just base like IPAs and porters. It just really runs the gamut. That, that's awesome. Uh, it, it, you know, it's funny is that uh, I would say, a couple years ago, kind of uh, glitter beer became a, a pretty big thing, and 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 then it's kind of died off. I, I haven't, yeah. you know, this year has kind of been the year I haven't really seen a, a glitter beer, and and so I haven't either. Yeah, but funny, it's uh, I can't uh, throw a dead cat and not hit a hazy IPA, right? So uh, absolutely, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny how beer trends. Uh, like you'll you'll have something that's a flash in the pan, and then the hazy IPA sticks around and doesn't go anywhere, right? And well, so sours were like that too. Yeah, totally, totally. But, yeah. but you know, and sours. And, and to be honest, when we're talking about who's paying big bucks for beers, it's still the sours, right? Uh, if mm-hmm. I were to go to if I if I'm gonna pay top dollar for a beer, it's it's probably a sour or a barrel aged stout. So it's just kind of the, uh, the 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 industry and kind of where it's at. But I also feel like, uh, and this is just a personal opinion, and I'll probably get an email about this. Uh, but my <laughs> personal opinion is that uh, you know sours and the barrel aged beers are kind of taking on the wine aspect of beer if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and then and then you know the the hazy ipas are 
the like everyday beer. That's just kind of, I think that's where it's kind of falling. But uh, like yeah, I said. and yeah, the hazies. There's just there's such a larger market of non-beer drinkers that will drink a hazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yet, mm-hmm. yet, uh, uh, you know, I have, I'm part of a homebrew club. And uh, yeah. when we we sit down, we actually have an entire section of our club uh, of our meeting that ends up being the barrel aged section because we get uh. so many barrel aged <laughs> beers. We have one guy that uh, his entire his entire mantra, I would say, is that he only brews barrel aged beers. He doesn't, but that it just kind of feels that way. Right? <laughs> no, totally. Well, and I've seen it too change because I'm also um, I'm one of the head stewards for the Oregon Beer Awards. Uh huh. And just watching over the last couple of years, like all these different categories get added, the hazy, the juicy, um, the pastry beers that just were not a thing before. And they're just as they become popular, it becomes a category. Yeah, exactly. Well, and when you and commercial categories are so much different than the homebrew categories, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and yeah. So, and so it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we do Great American Beer Festival here in Colorado and uh, it, it's you go every year. And they, you, you see the categories and you're like, that wasn't a category last year. So it it changes year to year when it comes to commercial beer, just because trends are so quick. It's, it's kind of crazy. Sometimes it sticks though, because you think about, um, like black IPAs or just all the, the range of IPAs was, that was never part of the BJCP until it became a thing and it just kind of stuck. And then, you know, even BJCP, the last, um, the last iteration of that added multiple categories of beers that didn't exist before. Yeah, well, they, I mean, I remember in 2015 when they had to add just the different kinds of IPAs to deal yeah. with what had come out from, but the, the refresh of BJCP isn't as often. And so I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you kind of, when, I, my personal opinion, and once again, I'll probably get an email about this, uh, <laughs> is, is that, uh, BJCP is kind of one, once it hits there, it, it's actually really become a, it, it hasn't become a trend. It's actually become a style. And so, uh, yeah. because it doesn't get refreshed as often, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that the bar is a bit higher because the idea is that if you're homebrewing, you're trying to imitate styles that are in the com- commercial world. And that's why the BJCP exists. Whereas like commercial beers are usually trying to push the trend into something that's commercially viable. So. Yeah. Cause everybody wants the next new thing. Exactly. We we'll, we always want the next new thing. And to be honest, uh, when I brew, I'm trying to always brew the next new thing, right? Uh, yeah. Wait, wait till BJCP has an entire Kavika uh, category. It's going to happen. Oh, nice. <laughs> It'll happen. We uh, had so, one of those at the last full classic. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I actually know uh, what that is. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so... With with the festival and the competition, uh, you know, I think that one of the really great parts of that competition is the fact that it, it's it's really inclusive and pushing a lot of uh, diversity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm I'm part of a homebrew club, and when I go to our homebrew club, and I'm sure that most people, when specifically that listen to my show, I could tell you, looking at my stats, uh, it's ninety five percent men listen to this this show. Uh, you know, from from personal experience alone, for me, you know, women and those that identify as women, uh, you know, they make a small percentage of the overall brewers in the commercial world and in the home brewing world. And mm-hmm. so, if you're a club president or you're, uh, you know, an, uh, a member of a club, what can we be doing to, you know, be more inclus- inclusive towards uh, uh, women and and you know, encouraging them to attend our meetings? 
well, partially just getting them involved, um, like getting them judging, getting them, you know, confident in like that they do know what they're talking about. Because oftentimes um, women are oftentimes better judges and you'll probably get emails about that too. Um, but I would also <laughs> say that a lot of women are more creative when it comes to brewing. I, that's, I mean, for me, it actually is my creative outlet. Um, I like to brew something crazy. I went best to show one year with a rhubarb Berliner Weiss. Um, and just once you get like a woman that's brewing to encourage her to encourage others. Um, last year, our board of directors for the Oregon Brew Crew was over 50% female and our president was a woman. Um, and we've only had two women presidents in our four years and both of those have been in the last six years, but still, uh, the more you can just encourage them to just volunteer and get them to understand that they they have a great palate and they have awesome ideas. Um, but so often, you know, it's like they come with the husband or whatever and they're not, they don't think that that's something that they can do. But the more women they see doing it, the more they feel like they can. It's been the same thing with professional brewers. I mean, Portland is obviously a really big beer city, but to have as many women in breweries as we do now versus even three years ago, it's incredible. And so much of that comes from they see other women doing it and go, well, I could do that too. If she can do it, I can do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, uh, I've tried and tried and tried to get my wife to be part of my brewing. Uh, Uh I've, uh, but she's not a big beer drinker. So what Mm -hmm. I did, and and that's just part of it, right? Like I'm not here to twist her arm into drinking beer. That's not what I'm here for. But on the other side of it, I did try to include her into my hobby. So we made wine together. I I kind of, I was going to say, yeah, Yeah. totally. Or cider. Yeah. We've made, we've, we actually did a a few batches of wine and it's turned out Mm -hmm. great. But the cool part was, was really just seeing how excited she was when she made it. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and that like, wow, you know, and it was that moment when it was like she was as excited about making something as I am when I make beer or when I make uh-huh. wine. And so it's it it's it's that experience. And then sharing that with others is I think is is really the point of the hobby and yeah. uh, and why we're here. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be beer. It's just a, it's about doing something together and, and doing something with 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 somebody who uh is creative uh oh yeah absolutely i mean ciders and meads are another like a lot of times a gateway you know brewing experience for women too because it seems more approachable and it you know it's more sometimes their style yeah totally i mean don't get me wrong uh i'm not expecting uh uh i i i'm uh I'm kind of a hacker type brewer. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many of episodes of my podcast you've uh, heard, but uh, you know, a lot of our shows are focused on, on the technological aspect of uh, homebrewing. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I'm not expecting her to sit out there with a soldering iron, but on the other side no. of it is that, uh, uh, you know, there are definitely uh, uh, girls out there that are into it. Uh, there are definitely uh, opportunities to kind of share uh, all of those experiences. And, and to be honest, I'm in total agreement with you. I think that other perspectives on the way that, uh, uh, and approaches to brewing are, I think what, what's kind of needed and how mm-hmm. we push the envelope of where we are in brewing. So, uh, total, uh, I, I think those are all great tips. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So if I wanted to, you know, attend the, 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 
competition and I wanted to attend the festival, uh, where, where could I find information and, uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, you would just go to shebrew.beer. Okay. So in, instead of .com, it's .beer. Yep. Uh, Mike, um, I'm homebrewing DIY.beer. We're the same. Nice. So, Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So the information for the festival and for the homebrew comp is there. So, and for the homebrew comp, it's a link to like the main competition website. Um, and if people wanted to, you know, we have plenty of room for judges right now, as far as we're still um, looking for more judges. I've been soliciting all of our pro brewers to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say uh, it's always judges and stewards, right? Oh, yeah. Well, stewards, we, are, we, we do all right with stewards. We have, um, we run a couple, we help out with the NHC um, fairly frequently. And we do um, the Fall Classic, which is like last year, I think we had about 400 entries um, for Fall Classic. So we actually have a pretty good chunk of people within our club that are um, pretty seasoned stewards. So we don't have to worry too much about that. Um, but we can always use more judges. In a perfect world for me, I would love to have every beer judged by three people. Yep. Yeah. And then... And this is a BJCP sanctioned uh, uh, competition, correct? Hundred percent. Yep. Awesome. And and, and part of that sanction is is that you have to have a, a BJCP judge at least one for every category, right? Oh yeah, and we definitely don't have any problem with that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a but, but still that's always, always a struggle more. when you're looking yeah. for judges, right? Is find not just getting judges but getting good judges. <laughs> yeah. Do you, does your club teach BJCP? Uh, my personal club, I would say, is more of a social club. Uh, oh, gotcha. We uh, we we meet at a brewery. Uh, it's there's an average meeting is anywhere from fifteen to about twenty five people. In oh, a okay. And and really, it's more of the the first two parts of your meeting where we just kind of do the potluck of beer and we kind of talk about any club business. Uh, mm-hmm. We tend to not really get into a lot of education. Uh, gotcha. We're not really set up in that way. But there are other clubs. You know, this is Colorado. We're definitely oh, yeah. uh, a lot of uh, brew clubs. Yeah, there's a lot of that, beer going that, on. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and it's so it's the same idea, right? If if that's if education's what you want, there's actually one just up in Broomfield that's a great club as well and they have that education portion. Nice. It's just that the particular club that I'm in is not so focused on that. That being said, uh, uh it, it still is something where uh, you know, there's of those 25, I would say there's probably five or six of them that are BJCP certified. So it is definitely something that uh, for as long as I've brewed, I'm kind of shocked I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, the reason I ask is because I think that's one of the reasons why we do have quite a few BJCP judges is because our club also does a BJCP class every year. Um, yeah. So we open that up to quite a few people. Now, mind you, I, I would guess that probably 20 to 25% of the people that take the class actually take the test, although I think that's improving. Um, I I was that person. I took the class. I enjoyed it. I learned a ton. I never took the test. I've run many competitions, but I've never, I've never taken the test. That's awesome. Well, and you know, it's something where every I've, I've competed a lot. Uh, my, I, I've, I've got some gold medals under my belt. Mm -hmm. I told, and every time I bust out the BJCP guidelines and I, you know, and I know the tricks go to the guidelines the guidelines matter right and uh but it's something where i you know i've just never taken the time and i I gotta be honest uh maybe that's something i should make a goal is actually to just go to at least get through the class and then make the test the next goal (laughs) there you go there we go uh you know 
Uh, we obviously, I I said it a little earlier. If you've listened to this podcast at all, we love to talk about uh, the technology of brewing and people's uh-huh. brewing setups. We're, we're we're definitely more of an equipment focused uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear about your brew setup and 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 what it looks like today and kind of how it got there. Yeah. Um, well, I brewed out of a converted Widmer keg and a Coleman cooler for probably 12 years. Um, and, and I brewed a lot of damn good beers out of that thing. Uh, but finally upgraded last year to a, a 10 gallon Blickman system. Those are, those are really nice systems. I, I super jealous. I still, I still brew out of a keg, so not, still well, nothing wrong with that he- either. Here's what I'll say about that. Um, My husband and I actually met at the Oregon Brew Crew. He joined one month um, after I'd been there for a year or two. And uh, we have um, our garage is converted into like a private tap room. So we have 11 taps and a walk-in. Man, that's quite the setup of your house. (laughs) When people come to our house, I say, this is what happens when two homebrewers get married and don't have children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I totally have kids. So... Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, I make great beers out of the Coleman cooler, and I am all about a converted keg. But I felt like you know, since this is our like one main hobby, why not eventually like upgrade to something really nice? Absolutely, and, and, and it has and, been really nice. Yeah, and, and and it's the little things, right? When when you have it equipment is. that's actually made for the purpose of brewing, there's just mm. a certain <laughs> level of like headaches that you don't deal with. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. <laughs> So uh, blowouts where you have to run to the store to get some piece of equipment. Yeah. And, and, and that is, yeah. And, and to me, it's like my setup is super simple. I've got a, a you know, a converted keg. I still actually, uh, I, I'm brewing a bag and have, I, I started out with a different setup than that, but I've tried to go as simple as possible. And, uh, and for me, it's like, it, to me about the, the brewing day. And, and you could probably attest to this is that, uh, you know, it, as long as I can get my day down to being a smooth process that uh, keeps things efficiently done, and because I have kids, uh, it mm-hmm. just makes it so that it's something where it's like it's not such a chore to get a brew day in, or and I'm always ready to brew. Like I've always got, I've got a, I've got 55 pound bags of grain and all oh, that yeah. stuff ready to go. And if I can squeeze a brew day in, I'm gonna get one in. And uh, absolutely, yeah, it's just kind of how I keep at it. Uh, what what kind of beers are you brewing now? What what are you into? Um, most recently, uh, our neighbors also help us drink the beer. Thank God, because the- <laughs> um, we actually only have nine beers on tap. We keep one. We gave sparkling water on one, and we've actually taught uh, the nine year old next door how to make soda. So we've given him his own tap. <laughs> Very lucky kid. Uh, that's right. Uh, but the neighbors love lighter beers, so we usually have at least two IPAs on, and I've been doing a regular rotation on a pale. And, um, I, I really, um, I make my own, um, vanilla extract. So I, I have a vanilla bourbon porter that I like to keep on tap as well. But yeah, we like to, we like to do the standards and then we just like to do just crazy stuff too. Yeah. What would you say is the craziest beer you've ever made? Oh gosh. Um, oh, there's been a few, the rhubarb Berliner Weiss was pretty wild. Um, but we did just on a lark we did a black hazy which actually came out more like a cba but it was pretty great um the one that's on my list that i haven't made which is probably going to be pretty wild is this um a squid ink goza what is that um so i want to do a goza but make it black 
uh, we have a, a local pirate club in town, um, and we had a pirate party at the house one night, and we wanted to do a collaboration with them. So I was trying to come up with something fun for the pirates, and I thought, well, how cool would that be to do a squid ink goza? Uh, you know, uh, I, I've uh, <laughs> so I I I actually uh, come from the restaurant business. Uh, okay. I, I I worked in restaurants for a long time. I've seen squid ink pasta. I've never seen a squid oh, yeah. ink beer, so that would be something to see. And it's the cool out there. About, I googled it, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> yeah, but but the cool thing about squid ink is it doesn't taste like anything. So, mm-hmm. total, <laughs> but uh, exactly don't get it right. on your pants at all. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. That's really good to know. Um, well, hey, well, I would definitely ask that you encourage any female homebrewers you come into contact with to enter. We've gotten bigger every year. So in 2018, we had 129 entries. Last year, we had 215. Um, that's which awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a that's a that's a very respectable size of a competition. Yeah. Uh you know, to be honest, you talked about another competition that uh was your fall festival, I believe, and that you said that uh, had yeah. 400 comp- 400 in it. And to be no, honest, we did almost 400, yeah. Yeah, so when you're looking at that and you're looking at such a specific competition geared around mm-hmm. the Shebrew competition to have uh, a couple hundred entries shows that there's really uh, growth and encouragement in that. And that's just great to see. Absolutely. We just want to keep growing it. Awesome. So, yes, if uh, if you're a, a girl or uh, and identify as a, as a girl and you want to uh, be a part of the Shebrew competition and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you know, head over to the Shebrew.beer, get more information, uh, plan your beer now because uh, you got to get it in. It's uh, the w- When do you have to have beers in by? Uh, they have to be in Portland on February 21st. So you got enough time to brew and ship. Yeah, that you got to have enough time to brew and ship, and it's mm-hmm. you know the first week of January. Uh, you could definitely knock out a beer by then. Uh, there's, there's enough time now. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Jen, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and uh, and talking about this really great event. Uh, I'm super excited to to talk about it and to encourage others to be a part of it. It's it's really something that uh, when I saw online the the competition i was like hey this is something i want to talk about on the show definitely and 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 be a part of so i'm really glad you allowed us to talk about it well thanks for the invite i was more than happy to come on uh yeah it's been great awesome well thank you I'd like to thank Jen for taking the time to be on this week's show. If you'd like more information about the Shebrew Festival and competition, head over to shebrew.beer. Once again, that's shebrew.beer. Also, please support the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Your support keeps the show coming to you every week for free. So please, please, please give us some support. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll see you next week on Homebrewing DIY.